So I'm honored and humbled to be here on Father's Day. And this is how my day started. One of the things I love about my father-in-law, who's an amazing father figure, is uh, Pastor Allen and his words of encouragement. So I was in, I was in his office preparing the sermon, and uh, I was sitting down, and he came in and kind of leaned over me. And he said, can I give you a gift? I thought maybe he was going to lay hands on me and pray before the service, or I thought he was going to give me words of encouragement. And he, he handed me a book. It said, Bad Dads. I'm not quite sure what he was trying to tell me. I'm not sure how he was trying to inspire me, but I'm going to keep an open mind. I will read the book. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and father figures here today, by the way. Um, you've already uh, met my family, or most of you know my family. This picture was taken uh, just over two and a half years ago in Colorado on our last week before we moved from Denver back to Dallas. It was a very joyous time for us. Uh, we were very grateful uh, for the... Uh, and by the way, it, it was a difficult time before... Uh, we were in a, a dark season before this time and moving back to, uh, to Dallas. Um, I was not working. We went through a very difficult pregnancy with our daughter. And we also, our daughter spent eight days in the ICU, Nick ICU. Uh, so uh, when we put the sign up, thankful, it was not insignificant. We had lots to be thankful about. We were thankful for our two healthy children. We were thankful for the new opportunity and job to move back to Dallas. And we were thankful to be closer to our family in the DFW area. That's exactly why we're here today. Um, additionally, there's a little unique twist here. Our, our son, um, I know a lot of you are connected to my wife on Facebook, and it looks like we have this very blessed life. Um, pictures don't always tell the whole truth. So in this picture, this is a good example where my son, we had to get the picture because the, the, the son, the son literally was going down in about five minutes. It was our last night, and um, our son was not potty trained, and he had just blown out his diaper. It was leaking through his jeans, and it was all over my ski jacket. So what you don't, smell in this picture is the horrid smell of my son. So we're smiling for multiple reasons. I think uh, Alan re retitled our company. I'm the CMO of Hager Slacks. Um, it's actually a Hager clothing company, but that's all right. You, you are correct. We coined the term slacks in 1938. Um, our company was founded 91 years ago, and I know it's atypical to talk about work in a sermon, uh, but one of the things we did is uh, we've actually launched the Hager Hall of Fame dads this year, and we did that really to honor the millions of dads who wear our clothes, and we did that to inspire dads to be better dads and to think about their legacy that they leave behind. Um, the criteria to honor the 52 dads that we uh, crowned Hager Hall of Fame dads this year included strength integrity, generosity, and courage for fathers and father-like figures that they inspire others, children, family, and extended family. So uh, we received thousands of nominations and it was difficult to choose the, the final 52. I would like to share, and again, I know this is a little atypical, uh, our actual campaign anthem video. So tell me about your dad. <laughs> I just jump right into it. 
Yeah. He grew up in the hills of Kentucky without electricity. He ended up working on the Apollo projects for five years, including the mission where they landed on the moon. He makes things really, really fun. Like when we're cleaning, he makes it into a dance party while we're cleaning. My dad is a firefighter. He's not only a hero to me, but he's like a hero to everybody else. He's a natural entrepreneur. He showed how much grit and determination it takes to create something. My dad is, I think, one of the funniest people I've ever met. I moved to the U.S. from Brazil. I was his first child, and I came to him at four years old. He took me as his own, and he taught me English. The best memory I have was going out into the backyard and shooting free throws. Whatever I was into, whatever I tried to do, he would always try to teach me. He was born to be a dad, you know? Do you think he knows how much he means to you? Gosh. I honestly can't tell you that. I would hope so. <laughs> it's kind of like an unspoken, unspoken like understanding. I don't think I'd do a great job at telling him. We really moved from handshake to hug just in the past, you know, decade. I tell my dad I love him all the time because dads need to hear I love you just like anybody else does. Would you like to tell him now? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Dad. I just want to say that I love you, and I know I don't tell you enough. You make me proud, and you're my hero. Thank you. That's flattering. <laughs> I'm honored. Thanks. I'm honored. Muito obrigada. Muito obrigada por tudo. My dad is a Hager Hall of Fame dad because... Because he's cool and nice and really, really funny. He is my number one cheerleader. He's the hardest working person I know. He gave me the best chance of making it in this world. Dad, you made me want to be just like you. So I know that's atypical. Uh, it does a nice job, though, and it really was not to sell pants. The, the, the reality of the campaign was to just to engage our consumers and honor our consumers. And I, and I wanted to use this video to help you all think about kind of a father or father-like figure and what it is to leave a legacy. And really, we want to inspire you all. So part of the reason why we donated clothing uh, to this campaign was, it was to help with that inspiration. And that's why we're giving away I Want to Give Pants to all of you today. And uh, if you did not get a card when you came in, uh, please make sure uh, you pick one up in a couple hours after I'm done speaking. <laughs> so that wasn't a joke, actually. So <laughs> pa Pastor Allen said in the first service, you got to go 40 minutes, and then you got to get done, because the second service has to get in. He goes, but the second service, you can speak as long as you want. He then, he then realized I was taking him to heart. And he said, you can speak as long as you want, but everyone's going to leave at noon. So, <laughs> um, One of the things we did on this campaign, I know Father's Day can be a difficult time uh, for either because of the relationship or lack thereof you've had with fathers, or the relationship or lack thereof uh, related to children. And my heart goes out to folks. And I know this day is difficult uh, for a number of people. Uh, 
we tried to be sensitive in our campaign related to how we handled it, and I want to be trying to be sensitive today on how I handle the sermon. Ultimately, the salient points in the sermon should really speak to all of us in this room, regardless, and uh, I, I hope you take that to heart as well. So I want to begin with the end in mind, and what better way to do that than to look at a tombstone? I actually found this tombstone online, and originally I was attracted to it because of the name Gold, and I thought if you could choose a last name, what great last name to choose but the last name Gold. But the real reason why I chose this tombstone was the simplicity of the tombstone. It's got your first name, your last name, the year you were born, and the year you die. That's all that's on the tombstone. And the reality is this tombstone represents millions and millions of tombstones and what they look like and the simplicity of the tombstones. But what's most important on this tombstone? The dash. And I know some of you have heard that before, but the reality is it's not when you're born and it's not when you die. It's everything you do with your life in between. The dash is all that matters. And so my question to each and every one of us is, what is our dash going to represent in our life? What is the legacy we're going to leave behind? It's not your name, it's not when you're born, and it's not when you die. It's what you leave behind. In addition to the tombstone, I did a lot of research online about fathers and what makes great fathers. I'm curious, uh, thoughts on characteristics of great fathers? Anyone? Loving? Hardworking? Stable? Any others? Understanding? Dedication? Patience? Available? Fun? Sober? Good list. And we should start our own top ten list and put it on the internet. Here's the top 10 list I came up with. Let's see how we compare. Gratitude. Uh, gratitude was on the top of the list. Uh, we were, some of us were fortunate to attend the Man Your Stations Men's Weekend Conference here last year. Uh, during the conference, we were blessed to have Pastor Olin Griffin preach extensively on gratitude and on being a disciple of gratitude by having an attitude of blessing and thanksgiving. Wouldn't the world be a better place if we were all disciples of gratitude? Open-minded. Times change, and we need to evolve with the times while holding on to godly principles. I'm appreciative of Pastor Allen uh, for keeping an open mind and saying yes when I asked for his daughter's hand in marriage. That's really not a joke, actually. <laughs> Accepting. Quality time, you guys mentioned that. Lead, I fundamentally believe you should lead by example. I don't like the term, do as I say, don't do as I do. Children, follow what you do, not what you say. Supportive, I heard that as well. Challenge, teach, the picture is of Preston and I uh, with Preston playing baseball last year. Baseball was my first love, and nothing would make me happier than my son to love baseball. My son does not love baseball. 
Uh, I did not do a good job teaching my son baseball last year. I can promise you that. Uh, and halfway through the season, my son wanted to quit. So the lesson I taught my son was you don't leave your teammates and quit halfway through the season. So I'm hoping in a couple years he picks up baseball. But if he doesn't, uh, no worries. I love baseball, but I love my son exponentially more than baseball. Protect. Protect your family at any cost. That's uh, straightforward. And then the one that was mentioned first, love, unconditional love. And I do believe it was mentioned first in the service. Uh, this is really the most important quality and the greatest of all these qualities. Love really should be first on this list because if you do anything of any of the first nine without love, you won't necessarily be a good or a great father. Again, I reviewed multiple articles, and there's a myriad of information on how to be a great parent. And despite all of this information, I feel like there's something missing. I'm, either, I'm even further convinced of this when you see the status of so many of our children today. This visual is from an article two weeks ago in the Wall Street Journal. The article was titled, A Society of Bubble Wrap Children. Part of the premise of the article is parents are way too overprotective. And, and can you blame parents for being overprotective with all of the negative news that we're bombarded with on TV, on social media? The fact that we have a, a shooting on average once a week in our schools is sickening. So I, I don't blame parents for being overprotective. But the article goes on to discuss how the overprotective parents are driving the highest rates of anxiety in our children ever and also the highest suicide rates with our children. Something is fundamentally wrong. Something is missing. What is missing? What is missing? For that, let's turn to the Old Testament in 1 Kings 2. Let me set this up. Uh, this is from King David. Uh, David is, and David and Goliath is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, the reason why it's one of my favorite stories is, as you can see by looking at me, I'm a man of small physical stature. So growing up, hearing about David and Goliath uh, was, was inspirational to me. Ultimately, David's a great character in the Bible and, and did a lot of great things, but was also flawed. Um, at the end of his life, he's talking to his son Solomon. David could, can say anything to Solomon, and yet he chooses these words to t tell his son before he passes away. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong. Act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to Him and keep His decrees and commands, His laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do. These words were written thousands of years ago. And I believe they're as relevant or more relevant today than they were then. Be strong. Act like a man. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to Him and keep His decrees and commands, His laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses, with all your heart and soul. How do we make sure the top 10 dads list makes for a great father? 
We talked about love being a critical component. And God is love. But love is not God. I repeat, God is love. But love is not God. In today's culture, unfortunately, way too many people have a warped and distorted perception of love. To truly be an effective father, I would highly encourage you to emulate God's love, our ultimately heavenly Father, as written in the Law of Moses and the Ten Commandments. As you observe what the Lord our God requires, as you see through the eyes of our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, you will truly bring to life all the characteristics that will make you a great father, father figure, and role model. So let's enhance the top 10 list. I'm going to get real basic and simple now. And some of you might know all this. That's all right. Consider it a refresher. The practical kind of component here is faith, family, and freedom formula. You see through God's eyes by putting faith first and at the center of everything you do. To do this, I would encourage you to focus on three areas of faith. Word, prayer, and worship. For us, every night before I go to bed, I place our devotionals and our Bibles on the kitchen table. And every morning, after prayer and making coffee, I make sure that we read our devotionals and Bibles and we get in the Word. In Ephesians 5, Paul wrote, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. It's imperative to get in the Word. The bottom line, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. If you are not in the Word, you are, not go you are going to have a much harder time understanding what the Lord is ordering. You will have a much harder time understanding how to imitate God and leave an impactful legacy. For prayer... Every night before we go to bed, we pray with our children, and then my wife and I pray. And every morning, the first thing I do before my feet hit the ground is I roll to my knees and start my, knee, my, my day in prayer. We also pray throughout the day and evening. The visual here is of our prayer bench. This prayer bench actually came from a church in Denver where our children attended school. And Summer and I have actually never even been in the physical church. Uh, but when we went to pick up our children one night on a cold, dark winter evening, there's this massive industrial dumpster, and this prayer bench was sticking out the top of the dumpster. So we, we got the prayer bench, and we uh, took it home, and it's become an, an integral part of our home. I'm not encouraging you all to go dumpster diving to get your prayer bench. <laughs> it's not the point of the sermon. The, my, my encouragement is that you set aside a place in your home where you can actually have quiet time and talk to the Lord. And again, that can just be like a regular dialogue. The bottom line, prayer should be a first response, not a last resort. Prayer should be a first response, not a last resort. In addition to the prayer, in addition to word and prayer, I'd encourage ongoing worship. Find a home church and attend that church regularly. I'm biased to this church because my father-in-law is Pastor Allen. 
but I'm sure Pastor Allen would stand here today with me and say there are multiple good churches in Granbury in the DFW area. And the most important thing is that you attend a church on a regular basis and fellowship with those in the church. Additionally, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, everything you do is a form of worship. It's worshiping when you get up in the morning. It's worshiping when you're driving to work and listening to worship moving. You can worship on how you interact with your coworkers, and you can worship on how you just interact with others you, you interact with throughout the day. We've gone over the top 10 list, and I truly believe enhancing this list is by prioritizing faith, family, and freedom. Freedom. Freedom, uh, if you put faith and family first, you then have the freedom to really do uh, anything else in my mind. And when I say that, uh, I think of Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And if you have faith and family as a priority, one and two, then you can have the freedom to choose where your time, money, and energy is spent. And I'm confident it will complement and serve your faith and family. The bottom line, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. If you have not made faith and family a top priority in your life, you are going to have a much harder time understanding what the Lord is ordering for your life and leaving an impactful legacy. And putting faith and family first won't, uh, does not mean you won't have trials and tribulations. And trials and tribulations come along for a multiple of reasons. Sometimes we're being attacked by the devil. Sometimes the Lord is trying to strengthen our faith, like he's doing with me today by being up here preaching to you all. Sometimes trials and tribulations are just random. And sometimes trials and tribulations are brought on by our own actions. Regardless of your faith, you will have trials and tribulations, and there will be different seasons in your life. These are pictures of our vehicles from the last couple months and, and trials and tribulations we've had. And you might look at these pictures and you might think, uh, one, you might think we're bad drivers, and two, you might think we have bad luck. And you might be correct on both accounts. But that's not the point I'm trying to drive home here. Ah, come on. Uh, da -da -da. That, that is not the point I'm trying to drive home. The point is, despite trials and tribulations, they don't have to define you. U ultimately, when our vehicle, uh, when I came out a month ago and there was no tires and no wheels on our SUV, I could have been upset. But the reality is, um, I went to my knees and I prayed for the gentleman who stole those tires and those wheels. And, and I prayed that those wheels ended up on another vehicle and kept a family safe and kept a child safe. And I prayed that that vehicle ended up at a church. I want the gentlemen to change their ways and or get caught so they don't continue to negatively impact others. But I have forgiven those gentlemen. And I'm not carrying anything else inside of me but forgiveness. And, and ultimately, I know through that forgiveness, I can move on, and that trial and tribulation doesn't define me. As you look at these pictures, 
I know you all have had other trials and tribulations as well, similar. Um, ultimately, everything is temporal. I'd be remiss on Father's Day to also not share about my own father, Fred Okimoto. My dad is a third-generation Japanese-American. His grandparents immigrated to the United States in the 1880s, and my grandparents, his parents, were born in the United States. This is a pic of my dad uh, in the early 1930s. My dad was raised in a Christian home, and my parents raised our family in an Episcopalian Christian faith as a core component of our upbringing. When my dad was eight, the U.S. entered World War II, and he and his family were placed in the Tule Lake internment camp in Northern California. These visuals show fellow Japanese Americans being deported to camps. These visuals are of the Tule Lake camp where my father lived as a child behind barbed wire, guarded by armed U.S. military soldiers. My father had uncles on both sides of his family that left their respective internment camps and went on to serve in the U.S. Army during World War II. This included my great uncle who was killed in World War II while serving in the U.S. Army, killed fighting in the U.S. Army for freedom of the U.S. citizens while his own family members, all born in the U.S. and U.S. citizens, were incarcerated by the United States government and had no freedom. Although my great uncle did not have a dash on his tombstone, I know he overcame trials and tribulations and lived a life of service and purpose. I want you to have some context, generational context, of the trials and tribulations related to my personal family and father. I believe my father is a, a great example of someone who has overcome his trials and tribulations and led us by faith, family, and freedom. This is a pic around 1954 when my father joined the U.S. Air Force at the age of 20, 10 years after World War II and the death of his uncle. My father went on to serve 31 years in reconnaissance mission planning for the U-2 and SR-71 spy planes and retired as a lieutenant colonel in 1984. His military service included two tours of duty in Vietnam and often meant he was away from our family for months or years at a time. My, my father rarely talked about his work, partly related uh, to the classified nature of his work. And I put up this Vanity Fair cover because it includes an excerpt from a New York Times bestselling book, One Minute to Midnight, by Michael Dobbs. In the Vanity Fair article in the bestselling book, my father is credited in the early 60s with helping get a lost U-2 plane over Russia back to Alaska, preventing an escalated nuclear standoff between Russia and the U.S., turning into an Armageddon. Some scholars have described this nuclear standoff and moment as the most dangerous in human history. My siblings and I were not aware of my father's involvement or his references to this book. And when, we, when asked, my father said, sure, he had talked to the author. The author had called the home and he had talked to him for hours at a time. My father is a very humble man. My father married my mother in 1963. And this is a picture also of us uh, 50, or five years later uh, celebrating their 50th anniversary. Everyone's smiling in my parents' picture as well, but the reality is uh, I've been informed that neither sets of grandparents wanted my parents to get married. Uh, additionally, in 1963, uh, it was illegal in over 15 states for my, parent to get my parents to get married 
because of their interracial marriage, uh, including the state of Texas. This is a picture from last month uh, of Preston and I walking into St. John's Church on Mother's Day, the same church I attended when I was Preston's age. Growing up, church attendance was not op optional. Although there were times I was very envious of my friends who got to sleep in on Sundays, the reality is I'm now grateful for my Christian foundation my parents provided me. Both my parents served on a St. John's vestry multiple times while I was growing up. Uh, the vestry would be similar to being a church elder. My father's a strong, stoic uh, gentleman, and in the, in the 1970s, uh, he actually stood up at a, an annual meeting and uh, talked about reviewing the actual books uh, in the meeting, the financial books, and the fact that there was embezzlement. Additionally, he further exhausted um, examination revealed that the embezzlement was from our priest. Uh, there was great opposition, he stood his ground, and ultimately our priest was removed from his position. It's since come to light uh, that our priest, our corrupt priest, was also abusing boys and young men in our church. My father, and not our priest, showcased integrity and Christ-like actions. Christ-like actions described in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I've shared these stories about my father because I believe they're good examples of putting faith and family first, and also using one's freedom to lead a life of integrity, being honest and having the courage to do what's right, despite trials and tribulations. In my eyes, my father's humility and selflessness demonstrates a similar mindset as Christ Jesus. My father is now 84 and slowing down, but continues to exemplify integrity and love as he takes care of my mother, who's in the late stage of Parkinson's disease. My, my father rarely cries or shows emotion. As I mentioned earlier, he's a strong, stoic, and private man. Although a few years ago, uh, he did mention to me that every time he hears the song Amazing Grace, his eyes well up. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, now I see. That statement that my father spoke, spoke volumes. I will never know all my father's trials and tribulations. I will never know my father's brokenness or how he felt or why. But I do know he is saved, found, and sees. As I start to close, I want to zero on a subset of trials and tribulations. Brokenness. Brokenness. I believe it is the feeling of being a wretch. That brokenness that so many of us feel. Some people in this room today know exactly what I'm talking about. And all too often, people never overcome their brokenness and therefore never live a full, fulfilling life. Unlike my father's life of integrity, I know I've not always lived a life of integrity or for my faith as a top priority and at the center of what I do. I also am personally aware of feeling like a wretch being completely broken and worthless, 
based on what others have done to me. And how I've chosen to handle the situations by turning to anything and everything but Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I know the brokenness of the prayer bench that we now cherish and feeling worthless and feeling like trash. I know the brokenness of having no wheels and the feeling of not being able to move forward and get out of bed. I know the brokenness of feeling run over and and the feeling of being a total loss like our Nissan. And I know that it's not necessarily unique to me as well. This leads me to one of my favorite Bible scriptures, Luke 15. The story of the prodigal son who wasted his possessions spending all his money on recklessness, selfish, and gluttonous living. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. We sang about this this morning. I have been that lost sheep who did not feel worthy of love. These visuals are from my children's storybook Bible. I have been in dark places and felt like eating with pigs sounded like a gourmet meal. I have also felt the redemption and love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as my sins have been forgiven and forgotten. As my understanding of Scripture has deepened, I know Jesus was using this parable to teach the Pharisees and self-righteous religious leaders of his time to embrace the outcast and celebrate all that have come in darkness and come out of darkness. I am blessed and believe Christ has used my journey, so I understand this parable from the perspective of an outcast and a leader. I also believe this message to our leaders is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago, and that our business leaders, political leaders, and spiritual leaders need this message. Ultimately, we need more leaders who are willing to wash the feet of others. I know I've talked a fair amount about death, but this message is meant to be about life. I've used death to try to get each and every one of you here today to think about your legacy and hone in on your legacy and what legacy you will leave. Ultimately, I want each and every one of you to leave a legacy of integrity. Similar to as Pastor Olin Griffin wrote in his book, Legacy Song, I truly believe our legacy is not what you leave behind, but what you leave in others. Our legacy is not what you leave behind, but what you leave in others. If you embrace this message in Jesus Christ, you will live a meaningful life on this earth, leave a positive legacy in others, and have eternal life in heaven. Will you dance for Jesus or an awe be still? I can only imagine. I can only imagine.
I'm grateful for the challenges uh, Greg Harrell led us through at the Man Your Stations Men's Retreat here last year. I also know, talking with a number of you while we were at the retreat, there were some heartbreaking stories and journeys and brokenness some of you have experienced related to family problems, broken relationships beyond repair with wives and children, physical abuse, substance abuse, etc. Shortly after our retreat, my executive pastor, Dusty Dean, prayed over our congregation at Heartland Church in Carrollton, and I knew that I needed to pray the same prayer over Generations Church. As I finish, I ask that you close your eyes and bow your heads. I want each of you to think about the main thing keeping you from putting Christ first and at the center of everything you do. If nothing is coming to mind, let me help you out. You can, be, you can pray to be relieved of your pride. I have been moved by the Holy Spirit to pray this prayer. For someone attending Generations Church for the first time today, is that you? For someone watching this virtually, is that you? For someone who has attended Generations Church a few times and did not know why they were coming back, but will after receiving this prayer, is that you? For someone who has been attending Generations Church for years, but has something keeping them from putting their faith first in their life, is that you? Does the devil have a stronghold within you that is keeping you from fully serving Christ? Do each of you have something you are thinking about that is causing brokenness or keeping you from serving Christ 100%? I know I do. I also know some of the things you all are visualizing require professional help. This prayer is a start, and then I need you to pick up your cross and do your part, which could include getting professional help. This prayer is for Generations Church and all who can hear my voice. Heavenly Father, I bow in praise and worship before you. I surrender this church completely and unreservedly in every area to you. We take a stand against the devil and all his endeavors and schemes that would try to rob us of the will of God. So in the name of Jesus, I take authority over bitterness, unforgiveness, hate, malice, greed, envy, jealousy, insecurity, inferiority, fear, rejection, self-pity, self-hate, anger, rage, murder, violence, sexual immorality, impurity, adultery, fornication, and lust, pornography, pride, lying spirits, rebellion, manipulation, control, judgment, arrogance, prejudice, racism, materialism, covetousness, self-ambition, depression, anxiety, worry, suicide, self-hate, self-harm, addiction, dependency, alcoholism, drunkenness, drugs, heresy, false doctrines, stealing, slothfulness, laziness, unbelief, guilt, shame, embarrassment, curses, spells, witchcraft, occult, blasphemy, sickness, disease, infirmity, and chronic sickness. I declare that the name of Jesus is higher than you. 
And all the people said, Amen. Thank you. and keep every person here especially the dads that you would cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them 
that you would lift up your countenance upon them and that you would give them your peace. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray especially for those who are celebrating Father's Day for the first time without their dads. I pray, Lord, that spirit of comfort would be experienced by them. In Jesus' name. One name is higher. One name is strong.